So how many of you went to see the movie, Wonder, over the weekend? You saw it came out this, this how many of you cried? Hands way up high. You know you did. You all cried. I cried. All God's children cried. Exactly. Such a beautiful story, right? Anybody see the 2020 interview on Friday with Nathaniel? Has had a similar story to the novel. Just unbelievable. You, well, you cried at that too, didn't you? Yeah, I did too. Um, just so beautiful. If you weren't here last week, let me kind of catch you up to where we are. Uh, back in the summer, I read a book called Wonder. I, I saw the previews. It was going to come out this month. And and I thought, man, the, the themes in that, they, they really have something to say to all of us. To, the, the book's kind of written for middle school, but it, it really has something to say to all of us, and especially in the church, about this issue of being kind, uh, of showing kindness to people. It's Like we said last week, it's one of those lessons that we learn as a kid. Like we all agree that we ought to teach our kids to be kind. It's one of the, one of the consistent lessons we, we teach to children at church, in school, wherever. Yeah, you should be kind. You should be kind. But there's something about getting older. There's like this moment where we move on to other lessons. We, um, we start teaching people time management or leadership or work ethic or integrity or or resume writing, all of those are great lessons. Like, we still need those lessons, but I think sometimes we need to go back to the lessons we learned as kids. Because be kind is not just something for when we were kids. It's something for our whole lives. And as we said last week, it's not, it's not even just a, a moral lesson, right? You're thinking, oh, you're one of those pastors that talk about morality and that sort of thing. It's not just a moral lesson. It's a biblical command. Like the Bible says over and over, all throughout the Bible, be kind. It's a command. Like thou shalt not kill is a command in the Bible. Be kind is a command in the Bible. And a lot of times, we need to go back to the lessons we learned as kids, You've probably heard of uh, Robert Fulgham's poem. It was written a while back. Uh, All I really need to know I learned in kindergarten. Everybody heard of this. Maybe you didn't, haven't read it. Let me read it to you in, in case you haven't read it. It's, it's great. He writes, All I really need to know I learned in kindergarten. All I really need to know about how to live and what to do and how to be, I learned in kindergarten. Wisdom was not at the top of the graduate school mountain, but there in the sand pile at Sunday school. These are the things I learned. Share everything. Play fair. Don't hit people. Put things back where you found them. Clean up your own mess. Don't take things that aren't yours. Say you're sorry when you hurt somebody. Wash your hands before you eat. Flush. Warm cookies and cold milk are good for you. Live a balanced life. Learn some and think some and draw and paint and sing and dance and play and work every day some. Take a nap every afternoon. When you go out into the world, watch out for traffic, hold hands and stick together. Be aware of wonder. Remember the little seed in the styrofoam cup. The roots go down and the plant goes up and nobody really knows how or why, but we're all like that. Goldfish and hamsters and white mice and even the little seed in the styrofoam cup, they all die. And so do we. And then remember the Dick and Jane books and the first word you learn, the biggest word of all, look. Everything you need to know is in there somewhere. The golden rule and love and basic sanitation, ecology and politics and equality and sane living. Take any of those items and extrapolate it into sophisticated adult terms and apply it to your family life or your work or your government or your world. And it holds true and clear and firm. 
Think what a better world it would be if all, the whole world, had cookies and milk about 3 o'clock every afternoon and then lay down with our blankies for a nap. Or if all governments had a basic policy to always put things back where they found them and to clean up their own mess, and it's still true. No matter how old you are, when you go out into the world, it's best to hold hands and stick together. Everything I really needed I learned in kindergarten, and that, that's true in church as well. Like some of the most important lessons get covered in kids' ministry. Be kind. Just be kind. And as I said, it's a command in the Bible. Now, we're on the verge of the holidays, and the holidays bring a lot of joy and excitement and energy, and uh, you get to see family, and there's great songs. Some of us have been listening to Christmas music already, Right? And everybody else is Scrooge. But some of us have been loving Christmas music for a while. And there's decorations and lights. All kind of great stuff. It's a wonderful thing. I wore my Christmas socks for the first time this week. It's like a great time. I love the holidays. But if we're honest, Christmas has its own measure of stress. The holidays. Their own measure of stress, right? And their own measure of weight. And their own measure of tension for a lot of us. Some of us are already preparing ourselves. Because we're going to be with fam, we're going to be with family, and we're trying to kind of get enough courage to survive the next couple of days. Because we know there's family that's going to be tension, and then whose house are we going to be at, and where we're going to eat lunch and dinner, and you know all of those decisions that go into the holidays. It's not just all joy. Sometimes it's it's a lot of stress. I don't know if you've noticed, but um, a lot of people aren't kind during the holidays. Like probably everybody in your world is real kind, but uh, if you work in retail, um, can I just go ahead and apologize on behalf of humanity for what's going to happen Thursday night, Friday, and Saturday, right? If you don't believe, just, just read the stories that come out after Black Friday and the arguments over the last video game and the last flat screen TV and the parking place that somebody didn't get. Some people just aren't very kind during the holidays, so this is the perfect time. This is a perfect time for us to remember a long time ago, when we were really small, we were taught to be kind. And it's not just a kid's lesson. It's a biblical command that you and I would be kind. And one of the reasons we're commanded to be kind is because that's how God is. When we read about God in the Bible, we often find God described as showing kindness. Isaiah was a prophet in the Old Testament couple thousand years ago, and it was kind of his job, it was his responsibility to remind God's people of what God had already said. And so they didn't want to listen, like they were disobeying God, but it was Isaiah's job to go, hey, God's already told us not to do this. Why are we doing it? God's told us we're supposed to be doing this. How come nobody's doing this? Isaiah was the prophet who was trying to get people back to what God had told them. And in Isaiah 63, verse 7, he writes, I will tell of the kindness of the Lord, the deeds for which he is to be praised according to all the Lord has done for us. Yes, the many good things he has done for Israel according to his compassion and many kindnesses. And life was not good at that time for the nation. But Isaiah stepped up and said, you know what? I want you to remember. I want to tell you about. You've forgotten it. Our God is kind. He's filled our lives with goodness and many kindnesses, Isaiah says. 
This word kindness is a Hebrew word. I I mention it occasionally because it's so crucial to understanding who God is. It's the word hesed or kesed. It's a multi-layered word. There's not really one English word for it. It's, It's the combination of loving kindness, tenderness, grace, mercy, love. And all throughout the Old Testament, the Old Testament writer says that's what God's like. He's full of goodness and kindness and mercy and forgiveness and grace and love. And he pours that out on us. And I don't want you to forget that. I want to tell of the kindness of the Lord. Literally, it means to to stoop down or to bow down. In the sense of someone with great power bending down to do something good for someone with no power. Somebody who's on the throne, who's ruling, who's like all the power, and yet he bends down out of his kindness or her kindness to love and show mercy and tenderness and grace to someone who doesn't have power. Most of the time, it's referencing God in the way he responds to us. Sometimes it refers to a king or an earthly ruler who does something good for somebody who has no power. That person doesn't show kindness because they have to. Like, they're not forced to show kindness. They choose to show kindness out of the goodness of their heart. And this is how God is described all throughout the Bible. A God who bends down to show kindness to us, not because He has to, because He wants to, because He loves us, because His heart is full of grace and generosity. He pours kindness into our lives and that we live and we breathe. We're here today and we have relationships and family and we experience love and joy and know our life's not perfect, but all throughout our life there is this goodness that comes from God. And his response is not, well, you should be really lucky that I'm kind to you. He's not like, I'm, I'm big and I have all the power, so you should be really grateful that I'm showing you kindness. No, his heart is tender towards us. His heart is gracious towards us. Another Old Testament prophet, a guy by the name of Jeremiah in Jeremiah 31.3 writes, The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. This is what God is like. like I just love you with a love that doesn't stop. I pour out kindness on you, and it doesn't stop. And then the Bible turns right around and says, you know what? Let's be like that. We won't be perfect, but let's show the kind of kindness that God would show. Not because we have to, not because we're compelled to, but because we want to develop a character that reflects our Father. We mentioned some verses from Paul last week. Ephesians 4.32 was one of them. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Be kind and compassionate. In another letter, the the letter of Galatians, same guy, Paul's writing, and he uses a metaphor called the fruit of the Spirit. And some of you are familiar with it, some of you aren't. Fruit of the Spirit, he's kind of drawing on the image of a fruit tree. Uh, like an apple tree. Anybody do the North Georgia apple picking trip in the fall? That kind of family trip for anybody? 
one per. Thank you. Two people. Gosh, thank you so much. We got apple pickers here. The rest of you, go pick some apples. All right. You go to North Georgia and you go to an apple farm and you never have to worry that there's going to be a peach on one of the apple trees, right? Like you don't warn your kids. Be careful. You might get a watermelon. You got to watch out. Maybe some oranges out there. You go to an orchard full of apple trees and you know it's going to be apples. That's what you have on apple trees. The only reason you don't get apples from apple trees is maybe because it's not healthy. Like if it's not a healthy tree, then maybe it's not producing apples. Maybe it's diseased. Maybe it's not getting the nutrients that it needs. But if you go to an apple tree, you expect to get apples. Now, Paul's borrowing that metaphor when he writes about this idea of the fruit of the Spirit in the book of Galatians. And Paul says that the fruit of the Spirit is, among other things, kindness. A lot of other good things in the list. We should talk about those other things at some point. We're talking about kindness right now. And Paul is saying that the fruit of the Spirit is kindness. Like if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, then that means God's Spirit is at work in you all the time. And if God's Spirit is at work in you, then you're going to naturally produce kindness. It's just one of the things that's going to be a characteristic of your life. It's going to be a part of who you are. And no, you won't be perfect all the time. But consistently in your life, you'll become a person that is known for kindness. And if you're not, then that means one of two things. The Spirit's not at work in you. Like you you're not a follower of Jesus. You may know some stuff about God and the Bible and Jesus, but, but you haven't committed your life to Him and the Spirit's not actively at work in you. Or maybe you're just not healthy right now. Maybe some things are going on. We talked about the need for forgiveness last week in order to be kind. Maybe there's some things that are going on inside of you because if you are really following Jesus, then like apples from an apple tree, kindness is just going to be produced in your life. It's just going to come out of you. Now, there are two aspects to kindness. One aspect is the feeling part. The other aspect is the acting part, the doing part. There's the feeling part, and there's the doing part. In the verses we read last week from Paul, Paul couples the word compassion in both verses when he talks about kindness. For example, in Ephesians, he writes, Be kind and compassionate to one another. In Colossians 3.12, he starts out by saying, Clothe yourselves with compassion Kindness, so he put those, puts those right beside each other. Compassion in the New Testament, in the Greek, it means to feel it deep in your gut. Like to really care. To really be motivated. To, to, to love from deep down inside. Not just kind of a passing feeling for someone, but, but way deep down to care about other people. To love other people, to wish the best for other people coming from way down inside of you. You think about the Old Testament word we, re we referenced, hesed, as it describes God. That's kind of what that word means. Loving kindness, love, grace, mercy. Think about it. God, God created us. God created 
humanity at the beginning of time and he breathed life into humanity. So yeah, there is a deep love for his creation that God feels towards us. He's motivated to show his love and to show his kindness towards us from deep down inside. And you and I, every day of our lives, we interact with people that God feels that way about. We interact with people that God desires to love and forgive and bring into relationship with himself. We interact every single day with people that God feels this overwhelming sense of love for. So who are we to decide who we will love and who we will be kind to? Paul, same guy we've been talking about, he writes an extended letter called the book of Romans. And at the beginning of Romans, in Romans chapter 1, Paul gets pretty worked up about the ways people disobey God and just kind of sorts naming things like this is in your life and this is going on in your life and this is causing it and you're thinking the wrong way and your mind's getting transformed by the world and you're giving into things. We quote it a lot when we look at the world that we live in. We often go to Romans 1 and say, look, Paul said this was wrong. Like these things are wrong. And then somewhere in writing that, it seems like Paul knew there would be another group listening to this letter. Like there would be a group that was guilty of all of these things. And then there would be this other group that would be listening to Paul say all of those. And they would be going, right on, Paul. Like, get them. Like, they're awful people. Like, they're terrible. They're going to hell. Like, you ought to be all over them. Right. Right on, Paul. And so when we get to chapter 2, Paul pivots his argument to that group. He says, like, like, before you get too big for your britches, like, let, me, let me tell you a couple of things, and this is how he starts. You, therefore, like those of you who are so angry at these people for their sin, you, therefore, have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you're condemning yourself because you pass judgment. You who pass judgment do the same things. So Paul's just being totally honest about sin and its consequences and you need to turn away and then God, then Paul turns back to this group and says but like why are you so angry at them when you got junk going on in your life too like maybe it's not that junk but you got stuff in your life like there's things that you used to do some of you still do like there's stuff messed up in you so don't get on your high horse about these people over here he goes on to say in verse 3, so when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Like God's just as upset about what's going on in your life as he is about what's going on in their life. Maybe their thing isn't your thing, but you've got a thing. And so be real careful about how you're judging. And then this line, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. So to this group over here who thinks they're better than everybody else, Paul says, look, you're showing contempt for the kindness of God. How do we do that? I think there's two main ways that Paul's trying to address. 
One is we show contempt for God's kindness when we're the recipients of God's kindness and we refuse to conform our lives to what God wants for us. He says, look, God's God's giving this kindness to you because he wants you to turn back to him. He wants to leave your sin. He wants you to come and embrace what he has for your life. He wants you to stop making excuses for your choices and your behavior, condemning somebody else's choices and their behavior. He wants his kindness to lead you back into a good relationship with him. But I, I, I also think it's showing contempt for God's kindness when we refuse kindness to someone that God shows kindness. Like when we refuse to offer forgiveness and mercy and grace and tenderness and kindness, when the God of the universe, the God that created all of us, is every day pouring out his kindness to the world. That's showing contempt for God's kindness. If I decide, you're not, you're not worthy of kindness. There's no one on this planet. There's no one alive today. There's no one who has ever lived. There's no one who ever will live who is not the beneficiary of the kindness of God, the goodness of God. So why would we step back from showing kindness? I mean, think about your own life. You haven't always deserved kindness of God either. You don't always deserve the kindness of God right now. You you and I... We disobeyed God. We've walked away from God. You and I, even even today at times, we've made our own decisions, gone our own way, and yet there is a God in heaven who bends down to show us his love and show us his kindness and draw us back to himself. Why would we not offer that to other people? Why would we not freely express the kindness that we have received to other people. Here's what I know. You and I will never develop the character of kindness if we're constantly trying to decide who deserves our kindness. We'll never develop an ongoing characteristic of kindness if we're always deciding who's worthy and not worthy and who deserves and who doesn't deserve. Paul, in his command, doesn't say, Be kind to those who deserve kindness. Paul just says, be kind. Let this come out of you. Let this fruit of the Spirit develop in you for everyone. So there's two parts. There's the feeling. There's the deep down. There's the caring about people. And then the other part is the doing. The, the, The actually doing something that is kind for someone else. Kindness in the New Testament It it literally means to be useful or to furnish, to provide what is needed, like to be useful. To to show kindness, according to the New Testament, is to do something practically that demonstrates kindness, to do something tangibly, to say something, to do something, not just to feel something. Feelings are great. Caring is great. Compassion is great. But compassion becomes kindness when I move from just feeling to actually doing. That's what the New Testament commands for us. One theologian defines kindness as love in practical action. Love in practical action. Like I'm actually going to do something 
that matters. Because most of us, like if we ask, especially on a Sunday morning at church, if we ask, do you care about people? Like everybody on Sunday morning is going, yeah, yeah, I care about people. I really do. I love, God loves people. I love people. All God's children love people. Like I care. Yeah, I care. But at some point, caring has to be more than feeling and talking. Kindness has to be doing, tangibly touching, verbally saying. Sometimes I think, as much as I love the book Wonder and I love the movie, it's a great movie. Sometimes I think those can be a bit of a hindrance to our kindness. Because I think for some of us, we're waiting for that movie moment to show. Yeah, I'm going to show kindness when it's that perfect moment. We're waiting for that movie moment. But kindness rarely looks like a movie moment. It rarely looks like a 2020 interview. It, it, it rarely looks like a best-selling novel. You know what kindness normally looks like? It normally looks like the people right in front of you. It normally looks like the person that's going to cross your path tomorrow, and there's going to be something inside of you that says, be kind. Speak kind. Do something kind. That something inside of you that's going to say, send the card, make the phone call. That's what kindness normally looks like. It normally doesn't look like a movie. It normally looks like the person that crosses your path tomorrow. For thousands of years, people have read what Paul said. Be kind. And you know what? If you don't really feel it, like if deep down, if you were honest, like if we weren't in church and we were just talking outside, and and you were real honest with me, you would say, you know, sometimes I just don't feel like being kind. I get it. I don't either. Sometimes I don't feel it deep down. Sometimes I don't feel like this overwhelming compassion. Oh, I love everybody. Sometimes I don't feel it. Okay, don't wait to feel it. Just do it. I just take a step of kindness towards somebody, and maybe, maybe the feelings will follow. Like maybe the feelings will come along. Maybe you'll realize... Yeah, I, I do love and I do care, but I had to kickstart the loving and the caring with an action. God is demonstrating His kindness to the world, to the people of the world, all the time. And sometimes, sometimes He wants to demonstrate His kindness through us. He doesn't need us. Like He can do it any way He wants to. He gives people life and breath. But sometimes, his touch of kindness, his word of kindness, his action of kindness comes through us to somebody else. As God is using kindness to draw people to himself, sometimes that kindness comes through you. God not only felt love for us, like he, he not only felt compassion for us, He not only desired relationship with us, He did something about it. Like He sent His Son. Like God didn't just feel things for us. God said, I'm going to do what it takes 
to show them ultimate kindness, to, to show them forgiveness and grace and mercy and erase their sin and make them right with me even though they've turned away from me. God did something as the ultimate act of kindness and grace towards us. And if we are recipients of that, like if Jesus has changed us, then his command is pretty clear. Be kind. Let's pray. God, we are so gracious that you are kind to us. You were kind to us when we didn't deserve it. You were kind to us when we walked away from you, when we disobeyed you, when we wanted nothing to do with you, and yet your kindness kept coming after us. Your love kept coming after us. So God, help us to be in a world that desperately needs kindness, that desperately needs people who can love in supernatural ways. Help us to be those people. Help people to experience your kindness because we're in their lives. Because they came across our path this week. That they would experience the kindness of God. And maybe that kindness would one day lead that person to repentance, into relationship with Jesus. I pray it in Christ's name. Amen.